0: special episode. This is about to be I already feel the energy of it. I am sitting across from Emily Green, Emily, the medium, newly minted author. After doing many years of readings that then sort of naturally transitioned into more intuitive readings for unborn souls, um, souls that were trying to come into intentional parents And there was so much information that came through in your readings, Emily, that you then received the inspiration and the nudge to write a book. It's called A Cosmic Bond. It's out in the world. It's a beautiful, ethereal, star-laden cover. Emily, I'm really excited to have kind of like a real, real conversation with you today about what that process of writing a book was like, bringing people into the realness of the past year and a half for you and where you're heading after this and yeah, I'm excited to see where this where this takes us cuz so many people on the podcast already know you. This is your third
1: time on The Current. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm so honored. This is truly, don't tell anybody else, but it is one of my favorite podcasts to come on and you are the most incredible, gracious, beautiful host of a channel, really. I mean, I think that's what I would want people to know listening to Nadia's podcast, whether you're a veteran listener or you're new. I mean, she is just, she spends so much time and energy like tapping into the field of her audience to really ensure that she's asking the questions that need to be asked from the field. She's pulling it all through. So thank you. I'm very happy to be here and very excited to talk about the process of this book writing. And I've wanted to be an author my whole life. Uh, that that was that was what I wanted to be. I always, my mom knew I wrote, you know, 50, probably half finished books on my like first little junky computer when I was a teenager. And it was what I love to do. I love to write. I just wanted to write stories. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to connect with people through the power of writing. And so for me to have not only written this book, taken it through the editing process, published it. Some, some days it seemed like it was never going to happen. Like it was never actually going to be published. It was just like, there was, there wasn't a ton of obstacles. It was actually fairly smooth through the publishing editing process, but just to like, see it and hold it in my hands now and actually like flip through the pages and be like, Whoa, I wrote that. Or I don't even remember writing this part or this sort of thing. It's just been so, so completely surreal. And I think for anybody who's ever created anything whether it's physical or non-physical. I mean, you you probably get this sensation that I'm feeling where it's like there is this this pinch me moment of like, I took this from just being an idea and just being like a small little seed of something. And I took this all the way through, through all of the layers and uncovering and opening that needed to happen to have it here as like a real fully formed thing, a book, a song, poem, course, whatever it is, workshop. It feels so good. And it was also such an initiation getting it here. (laughs) Um, It was it was so intense in many ways. And we talked before we started recording Nadia about just how this was like this was a mission, like this was an assignment. This was a charge like you have to get this here and you have to get it here in a very uh, short period of time, essentially. Um, I mean, I wrote the book in under a year. I don't know if that, like, how other people measure, measure up with that. It, to me, it doesn't really matter. I think for me, knowing the, the, the width and the spectrum of information that I covered, um, less than a year felt like really fast to write it for me anyway. And now that it's out, we can talk more about just like the mechanics of it. But now that it's out, it really feels like there's this sense of, fulfillment and completion that I have. And also in in a weird way, I was telling you, Nadia, a little bit of a sense of detachment where it's sort of like, now I can let this book go out and live in the world and do its thing and be free. And technically, even though my name's on the cover, in some way, I feel separate from it. It feels separate from me. It's a separate entity, just as when a mother gives birth to a child and the umbilical cord is cut, you know, and then the child grows up and they start to become autonomous and independent. They start to walk and talk and do all these things in some way that child becomes more separate from the mother as each day goes on. And so that's really how I feel where it's like, go do your thing in the world, girl. I I can't wait to see what you do. And then also feeling where I'm kind of like, okay, what am I going to do now? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the empty nester of of yeah. this thing that I've been gestating and uh, I want for anybody listening, I think that the aspiration to write a book is a very real and potent desire that many people feel. And I think it's mm-hmm. for a reason because people can have their own experiences with books. And there's such a visceral Sort of unlike any other media medium, I think, when you're when you're mm-hmm. reading a book that you can connect with new ideas and it could open up your mind in profound ways. I know my spiritual awakening was very much just accelerated by each of the books that I was reading. And um, I know you're nodding your head too. I know that we we share this in common, but yes. for anybody listening, even if you don't want to publish a book, I want people to feel like this conversation is actually just mirroring the creation process yes. of taking an an idea, a moment of divine inspiration Mm -hmm. and bringing it into form, manifesting things. And that, whether it's going to become a book or, or maybe it's not anything lucrative, maybe it's just creating something that feels really meaningful and satisfying to achieve.
1: That's Mm -hmm. what I want
0: people to plug into the energetics of this conversation is that we're all being called into recognizing we are creator beings. we hold the the energy of creation in our souls. And that
1: is our birthright. Absolutely. And I love this conversation. I think we've talked about this before in the past, maybe not as in depth as we're about to go. But I really feel that creativity and um, creation just in general is inherently spiritual. And I'm reading this fantastic book right now, speaking of books, um, I'm reading this (laughs) fantastic book right now that I actually started reading right around the time that I was kind of gearing up to publish the book. It's called I'm Probably I don't remember the exact words something about like the art of creative living or something like that by Rick Rubin. He's a music producer and a very prolific very well-known music producer and he wrote this book that is like literally like a creative it's like it's a download you know and and it's cool to see and I definitely notice um Well, just as we're kind of circling this conversation of creation, I can really recognize when I'm reading something or interacting with something that is a download. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you can feel it. It's like, this came from... Somewhere else, and this person brought it into form. You know, when I was writing the book, a friend of mine said, you're bringing frequency into form. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's this kind of abstract, intangible thing that you're taking and pulling it down through your body, through, through your crown and, 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 and molding it and shaping it into something physical or semi-physical to then, you know, put out into the world. And this is really, what he what the, the, in this book that he talks about um you know I, again like i said i started reading it very intentionally where it's like you are you're the vessel and the vessel has all of these filters on it where it it has learned to kind of filter things out like filter different kind of stimulus whether that's from the physical world or from the kind of um cosmic realms the ethereal realms and he basically says that To really bring something here, project, creation, book, poem, song, whatever it is, even a conversation. I love how he said this. He says a conversation can be a creation. We're having a creation experience right now together. We're creating something. We're creating an energy field. We're creating um, a movement of, of, um, of words and energy, right? And so I I love that. I think that that's that's an important way too. like you can create a conversation with something, someone to move energy to get from point A to point B to take a relationship from one thing to the next. Any person who's ever had that like conversation with a, you know, could be partner where it's like, where are we going with this? Right. That's a creation that you are creating something new from a conversation. So I digress. So he talks about, you know, the, us being the vessel and um, we have these filters and that in order to really bring these projects, these creations, these kind of really cosmic missions in, in many ways, these, these, um, universal or destiny based, um, projects through us that we have to kind of shed some of the filters so that we can let this thing through us as, as in fully and completely as we can. And then from there, it's our responsibility. Once we're ha- we have that frequency, and we're holding that frequency to trust ourselves enough to know what the next steps are and to know what to do with it. And so for me, that was the, the, you know, the idea for this book, which is a book centered around the soul and, and spirit babies and incoming children energies and how that all of those things kind of interface these kind of higher spiritual energies and spiritual souls coming in, how that all interfaces with us on planet earth, whether we're trying to have children or all the, all of these things. And what's interesting is that, you know, it's a, I have a great, example of just how intellectually you can think that you're going to create one thing and then you're given a totally separate assignment than what you thought because I didn't I never thought that this would be the first book that I would write I thought and I've talked about this before I thought it would maybe be some sort of memoir type experience detailing my spiritual awakening and all of that kind of stuff I thought that it could potentially be like a mediumship kind of grief focused book so there was these other books that were kind of percolating but I could never really Hold them. I could never really capture them fully. It was like there was these just teeny little wisps, wisps of um inspiration, but they would fade really, really quickly. And every time I tried to go sit down and start writing these, nothing would ever, it just what it wouldn't feel right. It wasn't, it didn't feel like there was a flow. It didn't feel like there was enough energy behind these two different ideas. And so when I got this mission, basically, for um this book, it was the end of 20. 2021 it was the end of 2021 December 2021 um, I spend a lot of time in the last month of the year always just in deep reflection and contemplation it's my most um, treasured special time I try and take as you know um, I try and take most of that time off and that's for a very specific reason I believe that even though it is the end of the Gregorian calendar year I really believe that there's like a lot that can come in at that time and I' I've talked to a lot of people who feel the same where it's like you know there's a lot of clarity that's available there that i I, I feel. So, anyway, it was the end of the year, and I was going about my reflection and my contemplation practice. And basically, you know, it was like talking to the energies that I'm usually talking to. I was in deep meditation, talking to my guides, and they said, You're going to start writing a book, and you're going to start in March of 2022, so about three months in the future. And you're going to write it on the, the energy of these souls coming in spirit babies, you know, the, the, the experience of infertility and how that relates to these incoming souls and so on and so forth. And, you know, at the time I, I, again, I had these other book ideas that kind of, I thought that I would do first, but I knew that there wasn't enough energy I had tried and there wasn't enough energy behind them. And so getting this mission, I was like, Whoa, this is, this is like, Whoa, this is a big, topic. This is a big thing for me to tackle and I'm going to put it in a book. And, you know, my whole thing is that I feel like the information around this, there's all, I'm always getting more information, more and more and more and more information on these topics, these topics of children and parents and, you know, these new souls and the new earth and all these things. And so I felt kind of nervous where it was like, but if this is always changing, and I'm about to go put this in print. What if I want to like change what, you know, what, what I said or, or, or or add something or, or, or take something away. And they were basically like, I got the answer back. Whereas Like you have enough, there's enough information and stories and reference points and data that you have right now that you need to share. You cannot wait. It has to, it has to be out now. And maybe in the future there will be future editions where i can add on more of the information that i've seen and you know and learned but it was like you have to do it now and it was very like very intense in the way where it was sort of like i had to totally rejake my whole schedule to make this happen and you know really cut back on what i was what my schedule looked like at that point in time because i had to focus you know to in order to get the book done in the time that i did i had to Spend, you know, basically like three, four days writing a week. Even if that was only like 2000 words a day, I was really like, I just have to sit down, have to be with the energy of the book as much as possible. But then on the other hand, I also knew it was really funny that I also got this instruction that, but you still have to be doing spirit baby readings because there's actually more information to come in in these readings from the time that you start writing to the time the book comes to completion. So what's really interesting is I feel that everybody that was sent my way from March 2022 to February 2023 when I completed writing, Everybody that I read for in that time, almost every single one, I pulled something from an experience that I had with them, a story, a revelation, a piece of inspiration came through that, through those, those connections. So it's very interesting just how it was kind of like, okay, we want this to be in the book. So we're going to send you this person. You can collect that, that story and then, you know, get their consent and then use it in the book to illustrate a concept. So... That was also very interesting, just seeing the whole orchestration. And I think one of the things that I'm really struck by as well, and I think that probably anybody who's ever created something, whether it's a book or wants to create something like a book, is that I was very surprised to see that and feel that it was almost like I was from the moment I got that instruction at the end of 2021 to the moment that I signed the you know, publishing contract with my publishing company to the moment that I signed with my editor to the moment that I signed the book away and said, yes, this can publish. It's like there was not a single thing that wasn't meant to happen at that time. It was like everything felt like this is, this is like, I'm on a train and this thing is moving and I'm just like a passenger, you know, really, it was like, I'm just, I'm just along for the ride of this experience. Um, and I'm just using my intuition to say yes, what I need to say yes to, to cut out what needs to be cut out and all these things. And it can, it really felt like in some ways there was something but it doesn't, it didn't feel like I know that there was something bigger than just me moving this along to get this into the world at the time that it needed to. And it's a whole other story with like the publishing date that I chose and why it had to be then. And I had a very specific little window that I had to publish with. I was given like a few dates, like it has to be between June 4th and June 9th. That's when you have to publish. Um, so that was a whole other thing of getting the instructive of when the book actually had to land in the world in terms of its publishing date. And so, Anyway, there's so much to it. And I think that just to wrap that up and then before I turn it back over to you to wrap up everything there, it was a lot. But (laughs) what I wanted to, what I wanted to illustrate was the process of creation. And I think that the foundational thing that I want to communicate there is just that you are a vessel. For, for for so many things. You, you are available to be a vessel for so many things. Um, we all are, really. And we're given these little, you know, wisps of information. And sometimes we have to like clear our own filters to be able to receive it fully. We have to clear our fear. We have to clear our doubt. We have to clear our like imposter syndrome of like, who am I to write this book or who am I to do this podcast or whatever? You got to clear those filters out so you can fully receive the, the total frequency of whatever this directive or whatever this mission is. And then you have to trust yourself enough to say yes to the things that you need to say yes to and to carve out the time in your schedule that you need to and to um trust that everybody that is being sent along your path and in the, in the process of you creating this thing is there for a reason and they're there to actually support your creation, even if it's a challenging situation. Because I had a few of those as well, where it was like, this is a challenging case, or this is a, a, cha- a really difficult thing, or this is very painful. There's a lot of grief here. And, you know, um I had to just trust that it was there to teach me something um so that i could then pass it on to the world in this book so it's a it's a it's a journey it's it's a process and and i and i'm sure people can relate to what we're talking about here again no matter if you want to write a book have a book in you you know one of my teachers always said to me every single person has at least one book in them and i was like yeah it's so true it's so true because we're, we're we're really here. I mean, especially sensitive people and especially people who are paying attention. Um, many of us are having these, you know, huge life-changing experiences internally or externally that we have to move through. We have no choice. And once we move through them, we learn a lot about who we are in the world and the universe and other people. And so I, I I do believe that every every person has at least one book in them of a variety of different things.
0: And I think I'm just struck by the process of reading a book. You can't really read a book and be continuously distracted um, by all the bells and whistles in our world. It's a very like in quietude in stillness moment. And as someone's writing a book, they're in their heart and they're often in stillness and quietude removed from the world. And so there's this moment of like, almost like soul meets soul
1: that I love
0: about reading a book and The other piece that I'm struck by in in your story, Emily, is that one, you always knew that you wanted to be an author. And Mm -hmm. I, for people listening, I think we are sort of like these seeds are planted of inspiration of what our life path potential holds. So I don't think dreams and visions are by accident. And I think that your soul always sort of knew that this would be likely on the path. So pay attention to your dreams and visions for those listening. And then the second piece is the start-stop energy of, I tried to grasp at things, but it didn't quite feel right. And I'm thinking of how beautifully that mirrors the conception journey for many people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The power of like, of time, of really, you know, and I talk about this a lot in the book, the power of, of timing. And I think that's very exactly what you're saying. The parallel of like, not only was it for me, you know, in many ways, it just wasn't the right idea at the right time. Who knows? maybe I will write a grief and you know grief healing mediumship type book in the future. It just wasn't the right time at the time that I was trying to do it, and same thing with writing you know, kind of a memoir type of my spiritual awakening experience. It just wasn't the right time to do it, but what it was the right time for was this book because the second that I started you know going sitting down to write it, I had and it's actually really funny the the first chapter I know before I started writing that kind of from in that period of time between when I got the directive to when I started writing, I was writing chapter one in my head. I never actually put anything down. I never actually wrote it down, but I was writing it in my head. Um, And I knew that the first chapter, first line, first words are we are born. And that's where it all begins, right? And then going into... Life doesn't just begin at the moment that life takes its first breath, a baby takes its first breath after it's born. There's so much more to the process of conception and, you know, incarnation and choosing a life and choosing a family and everything than just that. And so that's, I I, I, I knew the first chapter was already written before I even sat down to start writing Mm, in my head. Yeah. And like you said, there is this incredible parallel between that and, you know, stop, start and, you know, right idea, wrong time. And also, you know, parents deciding to start families or start to conceive or, you know, can be sometimes like, yes, right intention, wrong timing or right intention. And there's still some things that need to be sorted out first down here, right intention. And there's still things that need to be sorted out for the soul who's coming in. That I do talk about that at length in the book. There's so much mechanics and so many subtleties and so many in and outs to the conception incarnation process, especially right now. And I think it really serves us as soon to be parents or parents. Already to be tuned into some degree of, you know, our intuition so that we know, like, when it is our intellect saying, yeah, it makes sense right now to try for, you know, a baby or to start a family or to have another child or to have a third child or whatever, versus I feel like it's not quite time. And I feel like I have to look into this thing or that thing or this thing. I was just talking to a woman over the weekend and she was so I mean, just it still makes me emotional thinking about it. She was so beautifully tuned in to like what the timing process needed to look like for her and her family. She was like, I know it's, you know, she's like, I know it's a male energy and I know that he wants to come in naturally, you know, before the end of July and that I know that I need to wait on doing IVF. You know, and she just knew all this and she was telling her husband, her husband was like, no, you know, it makes more sense if we do it this way. And she was like, I know in my heart, I know in my body that this is this is this is the way that this needs to unfold, not only for us, but also for the soul who's trying to come in. And she was not like asking me for my I loved it. She was not asking me like, well, do you think this is right? She was like, this is what he's told me. This is what I received from him, which I hope that that can be the case for for every parent who's looking to have preconception communication with their children, you know, to understand the intricacies of their timing and your timing and how they match up. And um, there's just so much to it, but it was really, really beautiful to hear this, this, this woman, this mother say, I know what he needs and I'm just listening to him and I'm telling everybody else who thinks that I'm crazy to back off because I know what's going on. And I know what this little soul needs from us. So it's like, how perfect.
0: Mm, I have goosebumps. And I think there's a reason why conception, this, this journey brings so many people to their knees to open Themselves up to the mystery of life and things yeah. beyond our mind's comprehension, yeah, beyond a place of thinking and into a place of feeling and intuiting. Mm-hmm. Because I know so many people in my life who all systems go from a physicality perspective. I'm thinking of a family member who was uh, married to somebody, and that person, or, or sorry, <laughs> this person, um, is currently married to someone, but their partner before was married for 10 years and they tried to conceive and they Mm -hmm. were never able to. Yeah. And as soon as this person married my family member, they were able to conceive very shortly after they started. And so it's like, how, how can that be fully explained beyond what we can understand in the physical body? And so I think it's, it's really cool. And I think what you talk about a lot in the book, Emily, is that there's not like a guidebook. It's not like a step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. every situation is sort of nuanced for the needs and the paths of the souls involved
1: completely. Absolutely. And that's why it's, it's, first of all, that's a, beautiful story. And I've heard that one so many times where it's like I was in the relationship and things weren't, you know, happening. And I thought it was something wrong with my body. I had all the testing I told had all the doctors looking into the things and they told me it was unexplained or they gave me a diagnosis that there wasn't really any grounds for whatever the case may be. And then the relationship, you know, they move on to a new relationship and suddenly things are moving, you know? And again, I think that that can go or things outside of even just conception too. I mean, that happens where people are like, "This area of my life is so stuck and it's so sticky, and I can't get it to move." And then they change something maybe that's deeply uncomfortable for them to change. And then everything starts moving. So it's like energy just wants to move, you know, whether that's around conception. I mean, it doesn't always necessarily mean like leaving a partnership or doing something drastic and life-changing. It can be very subtle. It can be very subtle. And I also talk about that in the book too, where it's like, it can be just as simple as like you changing your outlook and your mindset on a specific issue. Or, or a specific thing it, it, it could just be as simple as you needing to be more flexible and curious in your perspective of the world and of conception it could need to be just as simple as you and your partner needing to have more time for one-on-one connection and so that is it it's like there there are so many nuances and so many specific specificities that can be true for for different families and you know i always do my best to like try to, you know, get the, the key ones, but then also knowing that I'm not covering it all because I can't, there's just, there's so, there's so many things. And I would talk to two families who have on paper exact same situations and the feedback that I would give the two of them would be just totally different. Right. So anyway, there, there's a lot of nuance there. And, and I think that also I'm just feeling this because I've talked to a lot of people who get into this space and I just want to put it out there that it can be, like some people kind of go into like fear around that. We're like, Oh no, I haven't been able to conceive. And does that mean I have to leave my partner? You know, that if that doesn't feel true for you, then, then that, that is not your, 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 doesn't have to be your story. Right. I'm, I'm assuming that in this situation that Nadia just gave us where it's like, there was probably always like a knowing there, right. There was probably always something that is like, okay, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to like force it. I'm going to do this. But in my heart, I know it's really just not working, you know? So I think that, um, it's a, it's a great, what Nadia is saying is like a great example of really just like being honest with ourselves and being truthful and like taking the time to actually kind of go, okay, is this actually what's happening? Is it, is this what actually needs to change, which I think that we can do in again, lots of areas other than just conception. So, yeah.
0: There's actually, I love this point, Emily, that you're picking yeah. up on. People are hearing what we're saying and they're saying, how can I apply that specific, that specificity to my situation? Cause people yeah. are looking for answers. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing to say that each situation calls for a different answer and that answer exists within. So yeah. Emily's work as an intuitive is helping people tap into their soul selves, their spiritual selves. Um, just as to offer another example in the same vein, I was just with someone over the weekend. There are no coincidences. This is the perfect story to share. And he was saying, you know, my parents conceived me and they knew something was up that night. Like it was this incredible intimate experience. They were like, afterward, they were like, what was that? And then they conceived him. Wow. I mean, they tried to conceive many more times for 11 years, actually. And 11 years later, they, they stayed together throughout this time. And there was another moment of just like, fireworks in the bedroom. And afterward, they were yeah. like, what was that? And they conceived yeah. this person's okay. younger sibling. Yep. And so it's, it's an example of them staying together, staying the course. So there are no hard and fast answers here, but it's like feeling the magic and the synchronicity of that conception process.
1: Absolutely. And just like what I would say you it's in those 11 years, nothing was wrong, right? Nothing was wrong. And and that's the thing is like sometimes when time doesn't move or circumstances don't unfold the way that we maybe would think or expect or hope for them to unfold or move, we tend to kind of go, something is wrong. Nothing, you know, nothing is working. I want this to happen. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't happen when we think that it's going to happen. But then we could say that for that soul, that younger sibling, that second soul who came in, that's when they wanted to to come in. And and even if that doesn't make any sense to our logical brains, why eleven years and you know, have people being like, but the age gap and I want them to be this and I want to be the which is all fine and we can have those wants and those hopes and those desires for our families. And also how can we stay flexible and stay curious and stay open to the wants and the desires and the needs of these souls coming in and know that they may have a different idea of what that's going to look like. And it may make absolutely no sense to your life and your plan. And that goes the same, Nadia, too, for people who, you know, I was just talking to another woman the other day who um had a son, a three-year-old son, and didn't really think that that her and her partner were going to have more children. And then very surprisingly and kind of miraculously got pregnant um, with her now daughter, who's about to be born in the next few weeks. And I mean, has just had the most beautiful spiritual awakening experience through her whole pregnancy. And, you know, she feels so connected to the soul, even though this was not something that she forecasted or predicted or could have thought that she would have wanted. Um, and it just, that's the way that that's the way that it happened for her. And so, you know, I, I think you bring up a beautiful point that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong in that, in that period of time. And I know it can be so like, I know this, I know this, I know it can be so frustrating when you're living on earth and time or circumstances don't unfold or move the way that that you would hope for them to move. And I think you brought up this point at the beginning, Nadia, of just like the mystery of life. Like there are just some things that, again, the timing doesn't make sense to us or how something is unfolding is not going to make sense to us. But if we can surrender to the mystery of Life And know that there may be a higher force or a higher power or our higher self ultimately, or a soul that's coming in or whoever it is, a loved one, that they can see just a tiny bit more than us at the moment. And they can see that everything is perfect, nothing is wrong. And how can we just relax into the mystery of life? and the the flow like just like I was saying with the book process of just like feeling like I was on this train and I was just a passenger you know basically it was just like I was just the person making the decisions in the physical I was the person that said yes to this and yes to that no to that change that switch that around but really you know everything else was just being orchestrated by something much bigger than physical Emily could understand or know beautiful
0: beautiful yeah, Emily, I, I am feeling a lot of curiosity selfishly, and I hope people listening will as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that the, the book process, you wrote it in under a year, but probably start to finish, you said before we started recording, a year and a half. Is that fair yeah. timeline?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, a year and a half, almost exactly. Yeah. I'd yeah.
0: love to know during those 18 months how did you keep yourself focused on this? What were the ebbs and flows of your energy? How did you uh, reorganize your life and communicate your unavailability to perhaps personal relationships? And how did you carve out the space and the time to really give yourself to the the book writing process?
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful question. It was funny because I think, <laughs> I'll go into a couple of different things here, but the first thing that's coming in, coming to mind now is that as I was writing it, um, for me anyway, I mean, just like you said earlier, Nadia, that as the writer is writing the book, there's this solitude and this quietude and this soul to soul kind of heart to heart connection. And really, when I was writing, it was like, you know, nobody else existed. It was just like me and the words and me, me and the book. It was literally like everything else, like the sound. It was almost like I was wearing like super, super noise canceling headphones. And it was just me and the words and nothing else. I could hear nothing else on the outside which is funny because that's not like i've got kind of this like very fast busy mind and it's always moving a million miles a minute and it's hard for me to stay focused on most things um and the, just it was it was actually a completely different process when i was writing the book it was almost like i would get these kind of chunks of information where it was like okay write this it was like there was a chunk of information in my mind and then it was kind of almost like i was just copying it down basically and maybe putting my own spin and my own words on some things. But it was funny because I would leave my office. I would leave, you know, after a day of writing and, you know, go interact with like call a phone, a friend on the phone or talk to my mom or talk to my husband or whoever. It would just almost be like the conversation would just be like business as usual. And I would sometimes have to find myself like I would find my self, you know, kind of wanting this, like this, like, oh, not validation, but I would like be like, you know, I'm writing a book right now. Like, I'm like in there, like I'm having this like transformative spiritual experience with this book, and I would come out and just be like, what do you want for dinner? And it would just be like, <laughs> like how do I? It was it was kind of tough for me sometimes to switch between the two modes and reorient back into into like reality when it felt like there was something so magical and beautiful happening through through the writing process, and so that was very interesting. And I found myself like the parts of of my, you know, inner, one of my like main things through my lifetime has been this sensation of feeling lonely. Like I just feel like I'm alone and I'm the only one who can do this thing and I've got to do it by myself. And that's been like a big thing for me for my whole life. It's just always like, Oh yep, okay. I've got to do this alone. Or even, you know, like being paired up at school and it'd be like, you're the last one. And it's like, okay, you're on a team by yourself kind of thing. You know, like that was, that's been a theme. And I'm grateful for it now because it's taught me a lot, but that was definitely something that I I noticed through the process where it was like, it did, there was a bit of loneliness through the process where it was like, I was just me and these words, me and this book and the people that I was talking to about it, they could kind of, they could grasp it, you know, especially my intuitive friends. They were like, Oh yeah, we're with you. We know, we know what's going on, but for other people, it was like, they weren't, they weren't able to really kind of get like, feel what I was feeling through the experience, which is understandable. Because it was just you know I would just be like trying to explain it and I couldn't really explain it and so there was there was some loneliness in it and I, and isolation in it and it kind of felt like you know with any mission that one person has to to bring down or project or that sort of thing it's like I'm the only one who can do this right now nobody else can write for me I can't like not want to write a chapter and ha- like be able to be like you know give it to somebody else. I mean, I know some people do that with their books and that's fine. They have people write certain things for them. But for me, I knew like I have to, this is all me. I have to, I have to come up with the, the way that this is going to be worded, take this from what I feel in here and put it on the paper. Um, So that was a very interesting experience. I also had the experience as I got closer, I'm kind of jumping around in the timeline here, but I'll come back to some other things. I also had the experience um, of, starting to, this is actually a really important point. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to this as, as I got closer to publishing the book, I started to have a lot of resistance and a lot of fear come up. And I actually thought a couple of times, my intellectual mind, my ego was kind of going, we could push this back. You could publish this later this year. You could maybe just, you know, you don't have to rush. What's the need to rush, right? The, The ego was just like, my ego was trying to delay, this from happening and so after the like the ego trying to delay it from happening part what started to come in was this really intense fear of rejection what if people don't like it what if they don't agree what if they don't understand like my heart and my and my intention and in how I'm writing something and that I really just I, I I'm writing it with so much love and so much compassion and so much um so much understanding what if, what if they don't get that? What if they'll, they'll, they don't understand why, if I'm not a mother, how could I, you know, tackle this topic? And that was mirrored actually in a couple of different, like, kind of brainstorming meetings that I had with different people at the beginning of the book process of like, you know, not in this, these exact words, but some version of like, why are you the one to write this book? You know? Um, and so that, that, there was definitely like this in the kind of couple months before publishing, there was this intense fear of rejection. So I was working with my therapist on that. And, you know, and so that's like something that I, I actually had to, 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 to go into was, um, feeling all of these new sensations that I hadn't really felt before in the process of expansion, and having to like find new tools in the external world, like finding an amazing therapist to work with, who's like helped was helping me work through like the fears of rejection and what that actually meant, and kind of going into it somatically. So that was very interesting. And what's the most interesting part, and why I think this can relate to a lot of people is that I have not felt a single wisp of that since the book has been published, it was all in the lead up, it was all in the lead up. And so I feel that that can happen to a lot of people where it's sort of almost like there is this mechanism i think of the ego or of the wounded self or of the shadow self or whatever you want to call it that is kind of almost like this is scary and this is really big and this is a big expansion moment and i'm worried that you're not going to be safe i'm worried that things are going to go wrong i'm worried that people are going to judge you and all these sorts of things and so i really had to work with that deeply in the months before publishing it was like a deep Like just like I would have moments of like fear of like, and I would, I would almost be like, Oh my God, like trying to like shake it out of my head. These, these, these thoughts or these fears coming up. So that was a really, really interesting process. And again, like I said, knock on wood, I haven't felt that really since, which I know that I moved through something somatically. I moved that fear through my body somatically so that I could really be present for all of the beauty that this, this getting this book out there process has to offer me and has offered me already. So, those are just a couple places. I have more. You just tell me what you want.
0: Oh my god. I just <laughs> I, I'm so ready for more because I think that this process of creation of leveling up is mirrored everywhere. I'm also seeing a parent about to give birth, feeling yeah. all the fears of that coming up and also normalizing you didn't feel a wisp of it after the book was published. Yeah. But it's very normal for people to feel it afterward, the wobbles afterward, the shakes. And I love that you treated this, you use the word initiation. You're like, Mm -hmm. I'm going into and through whatever's coming up. You got the therapist, you, you like went there. And I think that that's your reward on the other side of publishing is like, you really felt it. And you really went through all of those feelings so that there was no more of those to feel on the other side
1: yeah post completely the
0: postpartum if you will
1: postpartum put exactly postpartum it's completely completely and you're right it's it's very natural to to have you know the wobbles afterwards as well, which I was anticipating. I really was, I was, I was prepared for it with my, you know, we talked, I talked about it with my therapist is like, this could come, this could happen. You could, you could feel this. And when I didn't, it was kind of like, I also, that was also fine for me. It wasn't like forcing myself to feel, you know, a certain way about it. I was just like at peace with what I was feeling, which was wonderful. The other interesting part is that through this last couple of months, you know, since everything has been really full on with this is I also started my Saturn return. <laughs> it's a small little <laughs> gift from the universe. A little, a little but again, that's what I'm like I actually felt that really when I was looking um Kind of and feeling into the energetics of all, all of it, like I said, it was like this is this is how it was supposed to happen and this timing it was supposed to be published during my Saturn return, and you know there's an interesting concept just in the astrological kind of world is that a lot of parents actually give birth to their first child during their Saturn return that that is a very common thing. so they actually share the same Saturn placement um, in different degrees, usually, but they'll share the same Saturn placement, the same Saturn return placement. Which is very interesting. And so it was interesting for me, too. It was sort of like I was going through my Saturn return. And then this book, you know, it's kind of like blueprint. It's astrological blueprint shares the same (laughs) Saturn return as me. Obviously, it's different. It's a book, not a baby. But in some senses, it is kind of like, you know, it's a creation. It's a birth. It's a new being a new energy. So that was, that's been really, really interesting. And again, like I said, it, I was given a very specific time of when it had to be published. And I knew that that was how it was, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be published during my Saturn return. And so it definitely, and I think that that's also the reason why I had to work on my like fear of rejection and fear of being, having myself be misunderstood or, or, or taken the wrong way, or have my words be misconstrued and twisted and, um, And I think that's a very real fear just for anyone right now in the world is it's like, it's very easy to have your words misunderstood or people to like take things out of context or take things, take things the wrong way and then kind of launch, you know, um a campaign on you to, to, to whatever, you know, you were trying to say. So I think it's, um. Because, but what my opinion is that, um, in, in times where it feels the most scary to use your voice and to share your perspective and to share your opinion because there's so much opposition and disagreement and everybody, everybody is looking to jump down other people's throats to, you know, to, 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 um, say you're wrong and this is why you're wrong and this is why I'm right. I think there's not a more powerful time to do that than right now, mm-hmm. um, to say, you know, I'm aware. And to feel I'm aware of all of the um, potential for opposition and potential for, you know, having myself misunderstood. That's something I had to be OK with. I'm OK with being misunderstood. I'm OK with I don't want to be. But I'm. but if I am, I'm OK with it. So, yeah, I think it's just a very powerful time right now. I feel this just in the energetics of like the collective. This is just totally outside of the book conversation. But I feel that there is a huge wave of energy of just sort of like share your voice, share your message, say what you have to say. You might be misunderstood. People might take it the wrong way. People might, you know, bring forward a, a point of opposition to you. And that's okay. It doesn't invalidate like your perspective or your voice or your opinion or your message or whatever it is. So I really feel that's important right now. So that's been interesting, just the sadder, whole sadder return piece. And um, the other thing was turning the book over to the editor for the first time. <laughs> and feeling like i mean just again like is she gonna think it's horrible is she going to hate it is she gonna say everything needs to be scrapped and redone and rewritten and is she gonna think i'm incoherent and you know just don't know how to write and all of these things and she's read she's edited so many books and she's a fantastic editor and she's done so much amazing work and like is this going to measure up and all of these things and Um, so I also had resistance of like, it was like, okay, it's time to like turn it over to the editor. And even when I was trying to turn it over to the editor, like my file didn't send and she couldn't open it and the whole thing. And she's like, why can't I access this file? And what's the password? I gave her the password. The password didn't work. Like, you know, there was all this kind of like, and I just eventually had to surrender it and just sort of be like, okay, I'm entrusting this editor with this and I trust her and I trust that she's the right person to take this text from how I've written it as to what it needs to be as the final finished product. So that was a very interesting thing, like turning over something that is like so sacred to you. And it's like, you know, like I said, it was a very lonely process and I didn't really have a whole lot of people reading it throughout. I had maybe like two people who were kind of like up to date on what was going on in the writing process and sort of saying, okay, like this is my this is, this is it, you know, do you like it? Like here, here it is. Um, and, and just kind of doing that and, and, and then feeling the, just the beautiful receptivity that I got back from, from, from this editor and kind of going, oh, you, you really have something here. And she was not, she's not somebody in the spiritual space, which I kind of loved actually. And she was like, asking me like, what does this mean? And what does collective consciousness mean? And what is it? And what's your definition for the soul? And that's, you know, part of the reason why she was like, I think it would be really good to do a glossary, which I'm I'm glad she had me do, because we kind of have a glossary at the beginning with different commonly used terms. But so that was an interesting process. And then the last thing I'll say is that, like I said, I had to really kind of reorganize my schedule in order to prioritize not only the writing process but in order to make space for these people like I said earlier who were supposed to come in and who were supposed to kind of have stories or experiences that informed the book I really had to like leave space for them and and what's cool too is that I would have like an open week where it was sort of almost like technically I could book people in here see people or talk to people but it was like I felt no I have to keep this open and then I would get like a last minute request of somebody having like you know, a stillbirth or a miscarriage, or, you know, their sensitive child was having like a really hard day. And I was able to have that space in my calendar to be able to like see that person. And then again, it was just the most perfect timing to talk to them and to see them. And then again, kind of weave that experience and that story in some way into the book. And so I thank all those people in the, in the acknowledgements. And I said, like, thank you for helping me to, you know, share these stories with the world to give context to these experiences. And I share all kinds of people's stories in the book as well, because I learn also through storytelling, I think, um, a story person's a personal story gives so much more richness to a concept. And so I really wanted there to be stories. And so I didn't want anybody to feel like not important. But, but then I also had to like prioritize what I needed to be prioritized. So that was also interesting. And then, you know, just say no to lots of different just other personal things outside of a professional sphere. You know, not being able to maybe go here, do this because I had to prioritize writing or again, like be clear enough to bring through a different chapter or that sort of thing. So that's a lot. That's a big question.
0: It's a lot. That's a (laughs) lot. And even just on that last point of being able to hold that vision for yourself. It's likely very easy now that there's a physical book in the world for people to be like, oh, of course you would need to write, but you needed to have, before it was out in the world, you needed to have that conviction yourself. You needed to set those energetic boundaries for yourself. And I exactly. think that that's a really hard thing to do. It's one thing to go inward to an inward and hear the mission or the charge or, or what it is that we need to do. It's another thing entirely to translate that to all the myriad ways that the world tries to distract us. And-
1: It's hard. It is hard. It is. So kudos. Yeah. Thank you. And kudos to anybody who's listening also who has been in a similar or, you know, um, different position, but same energetic, same, same kind of energy at the core of it, of creation. And, you know, even just like having to say no to things to prioritize what you know your soul needs to do at that moment in time, whether that's like be in retreat, be in solitude, be in silence, be... just reading be just like meditating i mean it can be so many so many different things and good for you for carving out that space and trusting yourself enough to do it so yeah
0: i'm seeing the hermit energy in in tarot the hermit that uh really takes the wisdom of of retreating uh, when he needs to retreat and i also want to go back to another point emily i think it's it's not Uh, by accident that you brought it up, this fear of rejection, the fear of being sort of like stoned or, you know, uh, the the pitchfork energy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in our collective right now, particularly on a a social media app that I won't name by name. (laughs) Um, there's, uh, there's just a lot of energy. Cancel culture is a very real thing and there is no black or white. Um mm-hmm. though our society wants us to believe that, and so I think the benefit of social media and cancel culture is that a lot of things are being brought to light right now mm-hmm. that people yeah. are uh there's an uprising, and I think mm-hmm. it actually is suiting our society at this at this stage of our development yeah. to change things and to change things in a very immediate way and to hold people accountable.
1: Completely. And speaking of the tarot, I mean, you brought it up, like, that's like, it's like the tower energy, right? It's like, it has to, it has, it has to come, it has to come down so that we can rebuild on more clean and pure and integral, integral foundations. So completely, completely. And And I, yeah, go ahead.
0: I I just wanted to add that. How does it, how scary it is then for people to share their voices at a time when so many things are, you know, the tower, if those aren't familiar with the card is, is this sort of tower crumbling and things are sort of like falling off of the tower. So in this period of destruction, that's very necessary. How are people that are listening yourself included? How do you put forth your voice at a place? How do you carve out a safe space? How do you, how are you okay with the destruction that's happening and getting kind of like caught in the crosshairs? And it's a really difficult question for people to
1: answer. It is. It's even difficult for me to answer. I was sort of like, oh, how do I want to, how do I want to hit the, how do I want to answer this question? I think that I could, the only thing I can do is speak from my experience. And, you know, I think that right now, even just like the topic of fertility and fertility challenges and infertility is is very prevalent. And there's a lot of people talking about it and um, weighing in on it and the reasons for it. And you know, I certainly have my own perspectives on some of the reasons why I think that that's happening. But I think that was one of the most difficult chapters to write was the chapter about, you know, infertility and fertility challenges, because there are so much, so much there, there's so there's, I mean, there's so much there. And there's like, as, uh, as with anything on planet Earth, it's a polarity planet. And so there's people on one side of the equation and people on the other. And then it's sort of almost like, I stand here, I believe this, or you believe that. And I think that that definitely like, has become more amplified. That's become There's become more contrast of that um, experience, especially in the last few years, where it's like, I think that in some ways, unfortunately, as a collective, we've gotten less compassionate and like less flexible and then i think in other ways we become more you know um compassionate and and more flexible it's it's very interesting just to see these like this kind of um downstream effect of the the last couple years on on this planet and what it's how it's kind of shaking things up and and where we fit into that right and where we and our voices and our creations and our opinions and how we fit into that and i think that in my perspective like i've always been a person who can pretty well see things from all sides <laughs> and sometimes like to you know my my detriment it would sort of be like like my husband always um gives me a hard time because I'm like when he has a problem I'm I'm like I play a devil's advocate for the other person <laughs> and he hates it he's like take my side you know <laughs> take my side and he's like you're 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 supposed to you know and and I just, I I can love somebody and I can like have the deepest amount of respect for them. And I can know like when I need to take somebody's side and when not to play devil's advocate, but I also know like when it is a good time to sort of be like, Hey, I hear you. Your experience is like super valid and can we look at it from this point of view too like can we look at it from this person's angle and like where do you think they were at and you know how do you think this was what was happening for them in this experience and this sort of thing and it's not to like take sides and again like as a perfect example how he reacts bless him love him but how he reacts sometimes and it's natural where we we like when we're, we're having an issue we want somebody to be like man that sucks like F that person or like F that situation or like, how could they do that to you or whatever? And I think it takes a lot more energy and a lot more open heartedness to be like, yes, I hear you. And hold on, like, let's go into it. Like, let's see what's going on there on the other side of the, on the other side of the, the, the the coin or the other person's experience. And I think that really what I want to say to bring it back to your kind of point and your question is that know that there are, still people who are willing to be flexible and curious and open-minded and who aren't going to like persecute you or like shoot you down or say that you're wrong or that you're silly or that you're you know your your perspective is incorrect there are still people out there this 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 concept still exists of like open-mindedness and flexibility and kind of going hmm, okay interesting like, let's go into that a little bit deeper and see like, why might that person have reacted that way? Why might that person have projected their experience onto you? And of course it wasn't right. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't right, but let's see if we can go into it a little deeper. And so I think just knowing that there are people out there who are probably still going to kind of go like, again, F that person or F their perspective, or they're wrong. And there's also people who are going to go, interesting. I never thought of it that way before. And I'm so glad that I just had my mind exp- expanded by that perspective. And there's going to be people who are going to go, oh, interesting, I disagree, but it's okay. It's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. I think we've like, we lost that where it's like, I have a different perspective. I have, I disagree with you and that's fine. Um, and that doesn't mean I have to like, not like you or, you know, say that you're, you, you, whatever, like call you name, call, you know, you, you can't do this or you can't do that. Or so I think that that's really like an art form in this, on this planet right now of like that, what, just everything that we're talking about here.
0: And it's a big energetics. The name for this podcast has come to me while we're talking and it's called the energetics of creation with Emily. I love it. And I think that it's an important stone to overturn as people are thinking of putting their voice out into the ethers Mm -hmm. is recognizing there are three paths. Either people really resonate, people hate it, And there might be something in there to learn from and see things from an opposite perspective. Mm -hmm. To your point, when you first started, you're like, I published this thing, but I'm holding out, you know, space for me to edit things, to add more things, to to share more things. I know you were talking from the perspective of more divine inspiration, but it could certainly come from the perspective of people reading it and offering a new perspective. And then the third avenue is I agree to disagree. I hold a different perspective and that's okay. And so I think that I just want to create kind of a soft landing for people with this very real visceral fear, myself included, by the way, this is very much up for me right now. And I'm sure you're picking up on that energetically, but if you are afraid to put yourself out there because of the fear of rejection, how can you hold yourself in that? And also recognize that at the, at the edge of that fear, there's almost nothing to fear. Yes. Because there's only greater intimacy and perspective that can be gained.
1: Completely. Exactly. Yeah. And that once you, when you allow yourself to really go there, and this is what I found for myself is there's so much liberation, like there's so much freedom when, when you allow yourself to kind of like feel that edge and feel that scary part and feel that, Fear of rejection and keep going and to not stop and that's that it, I have done that in the past right and this is like a good just note on creation too like any of us out there who have started something got it going it was real there was energy behind it and then we just let it kind of fall off and let it kind of disintegrate and then deleted the file or deleted the creation or scrapped the painting or whatever it is and so that happens too you know that's happened to me many times um, I've done that many many times Well, even just like i said like all of the books that i you know wrote when i was a teenager and growing up and then they just like went to die somewhere on some old junky computer not that they weren't i mean who knows i don't even remember what i was writing about then um but it's once you allow yourself to really take something to completion feel that fear of rejection go there go past it there is this land of liberation and a new level of self-acceptance. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying this and just feeling like it doesn't really matter. It does matter, but it also doesn't because I'm okay. Either way, I'm fine. I'm good with it. I'm good with myself. I'm right with myself. I know that I've done my best and I've communicated this in the best way that I can. And and that's all I can do. And that's all I can do. And that's a very freeing place. You know, I have this word free tattooed on my Mm. arm and I got it tattooed on my arm when I was 19. And it's been like a word for my life is just, where can I find more freedom in myself, in my mind, in my body, in how I move through the world? Um, It's really just what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for it. So I found it once I moved past the fear of rejection.
0: Mm. I'm just feeling the heart energy resonance of so many people listening. I also have to say freedom is so Sagittarius of you. (laughs) Emily's born under fellow human design nerds, gate 11 bringing about (laughs) ideas to bring about greater social harmony and connectedness. And I also think a step further beyond personal liberation, which would be enough is actually connecting with of those three groups of people, the people that deeply resonate and say, Emily, I needed this book. I don't know how I found it. I picked it up at a random store. I was a random internet rabbit hole. And I'm speaking to people. It's very cool, actually, like decades to come beyond your life, even who who are like, I don't know where I found this little beautiful starry book, but it spoke to my soul and it allowed me to connect in with myself in a way that I never have. And I want to also plug this book for people who aren't just trying to conceive It's a it's a book of the energetics of the soul of Mm -hmm. uh, Emily started by saying we are born. And so for anybody on this planet that was born, this book is for you to understand what happened prior to when you started here. And I also want to be very careful to say that Emily is uh, very you're very tapped into the, the mystery. Still, you're sharing as much as you've learned, but there's always more to learn. There's always yeah. more to understand and it's very nuanced and it's very specific to each soul. Yeah. So um, there are broad strokes of what we understand of the mystery of life and there's still more. There will always be more. That's kind of the fun
1: of it. Always. Yeah, exactly. Completely. And I look forward to, that's how I, that's how I interact with life. I try to anyway, i just sort of like... Okay. This is where, this is what I know right now. This is the information that I have available to me now. And I'm waiting. I'm ready and waiting for more. I'm waiting for my perspective to be expanded. <laughs> you know, I'm constantly allowing life on earth. And, you know, as a soul in a physical body, I'm allowing it to always surprise me. And I'm all I'm usually surprised. It's wonderful. It's wonderful, though. I find that very exciting. I find it very exciting to interact with life in that way. And, and so that's, that's, that's what I do. And thank you for saying that about the, the book and it being, you know, really a book that Can apply if you've been born which all of us have if you're here you've been born um and it can i think that it can definitely give you know information to families who need it in the conception process and who are interested in the concept of spirit babies or incoming souls but again i think it's um it's it is for spiritual seekers alike and what a friend of mine also named nadia the best name in the world. She, um, she called it, oh, well, she's also a projector and she called it, uh, an awakening experience. That's what she called the book. Um, which I just think is like, I, I, I agree with that. I even reading it back, and that's the interesting thing too. Again, just on the concept of creation, as I've read my book back, I've read it so many times, but also like as people have been reading or like, I'm reading the chapter on this, and then I'll kind of like flip it open and I'll read along with them just because I'm like, what are they reading again? <laughs> I kind of forget. But, it's it's like oh wow okay I'm like I'm getting expanded by the information too and I'm kind of like okay I I'm I'm actually like reading it and seeing it for the first time which I think for anyone who's ever kind of tapped into something higher and brought it through themselves you can probably relate to that where it's sort of almost like you know even just like on this podcast as we've been talking like you know I'm not trying to channel and you're not trying to channel, but we are because we're just, it's just like coming through into the field out through the, through, you know, through our mouths and out through our, our voices. And it's the same thing with the book where it's kind of almost like, wow, I don't even remember writing that part and I'm learning from it. And I know that can sound like maybe to somebody who's never experienced that, like, what is she talking about? She wrote the book. But I think it's like, there is this kind of energetic transmission that that happened that that didn't necessarily stay stuck in my conscious mind because it didn't come from my own consciousness it came from another mm. kind of higher consciousness so
0: yes and so many works of art on our planet the artists say you know it wasn't me that wrote that symphony it wasn't me that created that company it wasn't me that you know Steve Jobs talks a lot about the inspiration behind the iPhone as an example so i i love that this thread of the energetics of creation is is here and present and for those listening what Emily's talking about, wh- why do you create? One, mm-hmm. you can just feel how pleasurable it is to, to be receiving higher frequencies through your body. That's that's enough. Two, you can learn from your works. Yeah. And three, I talk a lot about purpose anxiety, which is what I feel in my chest when I'm getting nudges to do things and I'm not doing them and I'm being uh, kind of procrastinating and I'm, you know, kind of start, stop. And I'm wondering if you can relate to this, Emily, that after spending these 18 months really in this portal, in this initiation and doing the thing and bringing it to completion into physical form, if now it's this this almost like beautiful lessening of the purpose anxiety. So you can really have, we're, we're recording this in June of 2023. Whenever you listen to this is perfect, but you're heading into the fullness of summer. If you can really experience a deep and, and, well-deserved soul, spiritual rest, because you gave yeah. it your all.
1: Yeah, completely. That's what, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but that's exactly where I'm at right now, where it's like, okay, I, you know, in the words of one of my teachers, you know, I delivered the goods. <laughs> <I did. laughs> the goods were delivered to where they needed to be delivered to. I brought them to the destination point, And there's a sense of feeling, okay, like I'm, free in a way now from from this project and it's still going to be tied to me in some ways. Like I said, it has my name on the cover, but in other ways, I'm really in this space now of like, okay, and now I get to and I want to have this season of rest and integration and I'm in a season of like preparing my own body for like bringing a real physical baby into my family, which is, you know, a whole situation but that's really like my focus now is okay i've you know i've served this mission i've delivered the goods in one one way or another and now i'm really interested in just how can i replenish not only physically energetically spiritually replenish my stores um and kind of refocus and just sort of feel into like where do i want to focus next and that may just be as simple as like growing my family and, you know, and, and building and building that and really kind of creating this really soft, sweet landing pad for this beautiful soul who's going to be joining my family first, which I'm, you know, looking forward to when that moment comes for me as well. So that's sort of the, the, the space that I'm in and, and, you know, speaking on like the purpose anxiety point, there is this like, you know, having people ask, okay, what's next? You know, I had lots of people ask me that and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to travel and, you know, pour back into my body and, um, you know, be in therapy. I'm really loving that. And, um, working with like, you know, functional medicine practitioners and acupuncturists and herbalists and just all of these people who are helping me to support my body after this, you know, intense kind of season of initiation and output and physical output, energetic output, mental output, and kind of see what happens there. I'm, I, I'm the type of person where it's like, yeah, naturally, you know, this guy has a lot of Capricorn type energy in my, in my chart as well, where it's sort of like, okay, you did that. Now what's the next thing that you're going to do? What's the next project or course or thing that you're going to create? And it's just sort of like, I'm not ignoring that, but I'm just not feeding that right now. What I'm feeding is this just soft, slow. Okay. I did it. And, um, what does my body need? And then also just like, what does this little soul who's joining my family first, what do they need for me first? And, you know, this little energy is giving me all kinds of um, inspiration on what that needs to look like. So, and it's very much what I I plan on doing. Um, Beautiful.
0: And I think I just offer that, what you're talking about as a carrot for people. It's like, why else do you create? Also for the well-deserved rest and just observing and witnessing of your creation after it's out into the world.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, where this phrase or this term or this kind of energy or this word that one of my teachers used to say to me often is like creation culture. Mm-hmm. Um, creation culture, like, you know, like we we're talking about cancel culture and just like how can we be in this period of tower energy and lots of things are kind of shifting and dying and being destroyed and um, how can you as a being on planet earth who is very important and very special and you have very special gifts that you brought to this planet how can you be in an act of creation culture creation energy whether that is in the actual act of creating something physical or semi-physical whether that's just in like pouring into your physical body or bringing a child in or all of these sorts of things, there is like, there's a specific energy that you can kind of click into. Um, And then everything that you touch, everything that you interact with, everything that you do, everything that comes through you is a form of creation, is a form of birth, of new life, of freshness, of new ideas. So I think it's available to all of us at all moments in time on a variety of different levels. Again, it could be just as small as like a conversation. It could be as simple as, um, you know, a beautiful loaf of bread, a beautiful loaf of sourdough. I mean, that's creation. You're taking something from one form to the next and you then using that bread to feed your family or using that meal to feed your family. So, um, we're, we're touching and, and dancing with creation, I believe, in, every moment in every breath and everything that and everything that we do and just takes on different forms. Mm -hmm.
0: Beautiful, Emily. Is there anything else you want to add to this process of creating the book, the book itself? Um, Anything you want people to know about their own creation process?
1: I think the last thing that I would like to offer is I'm just being shown this image of a bridge. And it's like we're on one end of it and on the other end of it is, you know, the thing that is beckoning to us, so the thing that is calling us, whatever that is, whether that is a project, a new partner, a life change, um, a child, whatever it is. And, you know, just feeling this energy of like, it's a bridge and it's shaky and it looks kind of like, I don't know if I can get across this thing. And the thing on the other side is just really, Reliably just saying, I've got you. Come on. Just walk towards me. That's all you have to do. One step. Just take a step. Okay. There you go. You took that step. Now take another one. You got it. Keep going. Breathe. Move. You're so close. You're almost there. You're almost there. That, you know, what is what I would say is just what is beckoning to you right now? What is calling you across the bridge? What is asking for your attention? What's asking for your presence? What's asking for your awareness? What's asking for you to create it? What wants your attention? What wants your, your, your unique breath of life? to be breathed into whatever this thing is. And so that's, that's what I feel inspired to to lead people with what is beckoning to you. And how can you allow that thing or that energy to make you feel comfortable and safe to collaborate with it and um, to walk towards it confidently, and maybe not always totally confidently with it with a little bit of hesitation or fear. But you keep going and you put one in front of the other until you merge with this energy that's been beckoning to you. And it says like, thank you for coming. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for trusting yourself to be here. And let's do this. Let's see what we can make. Let's see what we can create. However you decide to engage with that imagery is yours to dance with.
0: Beautiful. I had so many different images in my mind of, of what's beckoning me and what, what I've been, what bridges I've been on. So Emily, thank you so, so much, everybody a cosmic bond. What is the full title, Emily?
1: Yeah, it's a cosmic bond communicating with your spirit babies from preconception to birth through the whole process. And there's also just a little aside. There's also if you already have had children and you're done having children and they're very sensitive and very psychic and you're like, how do I work with these little sensitive psychic beings? There's a chapter on that. So Um, there's a chapter, just really a whole section on how can we actually, now that we've got these beautiful beings here and they're sensitive and they're special and they're amazing, how do we support them and how do we guide them and how can we support their sweet little bodies and minds and souls and spirits? So that's all in there too.
0: Wonderful. There's something for everybody. So if you have interest in spirituality, uh, it's it's sold. I, I got mine on Amazon, but I'm sure there are many other places. Wherever you get books, yeah, and um, yeah. and dig in. It's a feast for for the soul. <laughs> and Emily,
1: thank you so much. Thank you. I hope,
0: as always, this isn't the last time. I know it won't be on the current
1: um, yeah. until we meet again. Thank you, thank you, Nadia. As always, thank you for having me here. I'm so grateful. Thank you for this beautiful transmission of a conversation. It was absolutely lovely to be a part of. I'm very grateful.